Happy holidays, all you nostalgic angels. Welcome to 9021 Here We Go, the podcast that takes a look at each episode of the Beverly Hills 90210 franchise from Fox to the CW. One of us is a 9021 expert and the other is a 9021 novice. I'm Kendra Mickles and I'm seeing these episodes for the first time. I'm Nick Gunning and I've seen them all. Our show is brought to you by the Radio Meanwhile Network. Other shows on the network include This and Dorian Life, 90s Music Got Me Like, and Previously on X-Men. Share your thoughts on this and upcoming episodes by following us on Facebook or Twitter at Here We Go Pod, and please rate, subscribe, and share the show wherever you get your podcasts. Today we're discussing Beverly Hills 90210 Season 6, Episode 15, Angels We Have Heard on High. All right, let's crack open the Condor. Condor is committed to professional standards, professional ethics. The weak need not apply. This episode originally aired on December 20th, 1995. One birthday to mention, January 2nd, 1996, Gabrielle Carteris turns 35. That seems right. She's not on the show, but always in our hearts. Yeah. Yep. Uh, one death to mention, December 20... Oh, two, actually. Uh, December 20th, Emmy-winning actress Madge Sinclair passed away at the age of 57. She was known for her role as... Ernestine Shoup on Trapper John MD, the voice of Sarabi in The Lion King, plus Captain Sylvia LaForge in Star Trek The Next Generation. Yeah, she was Jordy's mom in that episode where, like, the ship is lost and they're looking all over for her. And yeah, it was her, Madge Sinclair. And uh, December 25th, Dean Martin passed away. Oh, no. At 78. I love Dean Martin. Yeah. Uh, movies, December 20th, Oliver Stone's Nixon, starring Anthony Hopkins. Never seen it. Never seen it. It seems like a movie you would have seen. I know. That's why I felt like I had to get it out there that I've never seen it, because I knew you'd assume that. I love JFK, Oliver Stone's JFK. But no, Nixon, I've just never seen. Anthony Hopkins is a weird choice for Nixon, because they're just so physically different. Yeah. But let's not knock his performance. That's until we watch right. That that's right. Good, good note, Kendra. <laughs> December 22nd, we have four movies to mention. The first one being Balto. Yeah. Did you know that Balto uh, is not really the dog that should be famous? There's actually another dog that did more than Balto did. No, I didn't. That whole thing. I learned that when I went to Alaska and uh, met some uh, snow dogs at a, at a snow dog thing we went to. I can't remember can't remember the other dog's name. <laughs> They're like, you probably think Balto's the coolest dog in the world. Well, guess what? You're about to get educated. Balto is nothing. <laughs> Grumpier old men came out. Yeah, yeah. Do you like those movies? I've never seen a second of them. Not either one? Oh, they're pretty fun. I mean, Jack Lemon and Walter Matthau have, you know, a screen chemistry that was like 60 years in the making. So they're just great together. <laughs> Tom and Huck. With, of course, Jonathan Taylor Thomas and Brad Renfro. I was big JTT fan. Like, did this movie catch up to you? Because you would have been too young at this point to... I think I... 95. I remember... I remember its existence. Like, there was a, um, a movie I used to watch that had a preview for it. So I, like, I remember it. And I was in love with JTT, so... I must have yeah. already been in love with him at the age of six. Well, I remember like watching the, the um, oh, what's his name? Frodo, Elijah Wood, the Elijah Wood, Huck Finn, uh, like in school and stuff. Like I'd seen that a bunch of times. So this one came out and this was like, this was the rad Mark Twain adaptation, you know? Rad. <laughs> it was, it totally was. 
We also got Waiting to Exhale with Whitney Houston and Angela Bassett. Never seen that. Nope, me either. December 29th, we got 12 Monkeys with Bruce Willis and Brad Pitt. I've never seen that. Nope, man, we are not doing very well today. I know. And uh, the last movie is Mr. Holland's Opus with Richard Dreyfus. Now I have seen that. I have seen the first half of it and like the very oh. end. I don't know. I haven't seen it all the way through, but we watched it in school at one point and we like didn't finish it or something. Oh, really? Well, I mean, he almost has an affair with one of his students. So maybe they were like, let's let's uh, not show this part in school. My teacher was showing us Shakespeare in love at school. Ooh. And she isn't there straight up nudity in Shakespeare in love. Yeah. And she didn't skip over the nudity. She just came up to the TV with a piece of paper and followed their bodies around the screen until the scene was <laughs> over. <laughs> Beautiful. Like, Beautiful. Just fast forward now. And we definitely we definitely could see stuff. I mean, she wasn't successful. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was a different time no, I, I <laughs> in the early two thousands. <laughs> oh wait, right. we were just talking about we were just talking about Brad Pitt, and I forgot to ask you about Bullet Train. I really want to see it. Oh yes, uh, we saw Bullet Train over the weekend. Uh, it's very good. It's action very packed, uh, fun times. Yeah, action packed. It's funny. It's got you know a style. Um, it's the guy, one of the guys who did the first John Wick movie. Okay, um, so you know how like stylish those movies are. Yeah. Good soundtrack. Yeah, it was, it's a good time, for sure. That makes that makes me think of Keanu Reeves, which reminds me that I saw Legion of Super Pets with my son <laughs> yes. and my little brother over the weekend, and it actually was pretty solid. It was pretty nice. Fun. And we, we spent the whole movie being like, who is voicing Batman? And it was Keanu Reeves. He's sneaky. Great voice cast. I know he is. You never know. You never know what he's going to do. How is John Krasinski as Superman? Really bad. Aww. Yeah. Well, you know how his delivery is always really like understated and almost quiet. It just didn't. Right. Yeah, I just thought that was kind of the weakest part of the movie. And I love John Krasinski, so, you know, like no shade. It's just, he just doesn't have that booming quality that you expect Superman to have. So it really, uh, it just kind of fell flat. Wow. All right. TV, December 22nd, where in the world is Carmen Sandiego? The game show ended its run. Yeah. That's right. So there was there was the animated series, you know, where they're actually chasing Carmen Sandiego. And then there was this like kids game show. I watched this all the time. It was, you know, it was a trivia and geography kind of game show, but it did have like animated Carmen clues and things. And Fine. it was a ton of fun. I really I really liked it. Are there kids? I don't I feel like they don't do this anymore. But like there was so many like Legends of Hidden Temple and Double Dare and like all of those like kid game shows i'm not up on on what the kids are watching actually over christmas my nephews were watching some sort of game show where you have to like okay it's like family teams and you have to like jump on platforms and not fall i think it was actually called the floor is lava i think that's what it was oh called. yeah yeah okay yes i know what you mean that's ne- that's a netflix thing I'm sure I've said on this podcast before, but there was a time that I was almost on Double Dare. Yes, you did say that. We went to Double Dare Live. They came to pick us, but you always had to be a mom, dad, a brother, and a sister. And it was me and my friend Brandon. They were like, two boys, forget it. This is Double Dare. Screw their ideal family. (laughs) Families don't always look that way. So we didn't get to be on it. But I did get Double Dare dog tags and crisscross opened for Double Dare Live. So it was a very 90s experience all around, actually in the early 90s. So Not a waste. Yeah. Not a waste. Not a waste. Nope. All right. Jump around. 
<laughs> Music. Here are some Christmas albums from 1995. Okay. This is Christmas by Luther Vandross. Yeah. I couldn't name you a Luther Vandross song if my life depended on it. I hope my life never does because I'm in the same boat. <laughs> uh, Christmas to Christmas by Toby Keith. Mm. I am a big Toby Keith fan, or I was, I guess, in the early aughts. <laughs> sure. <laughs> when sure. I was like hardcore into country music. Mm-hmm. But I don't really know this album. So This Christmas, you can fix it. I know. here that it's Christmas is coming. It's all, yeah. it's always either here or coming. So that's true. Yep. And cyclical. J- James Brown's Funky Christmas <laughs> compilation of his Christmas theme songs over the years. I've got James Brown's. I think it's called Soulful Christmas on a Christmas playlist. I like I hear that every year. My wife hates it. <laughs> all right. Uh, one more little fun. Some fun facts here. Are some notable Hallmark ornaments that came out in 1995. We got Glinda the Good Witch, mm. Shaq dunking, of, of course, basketball, obviously. I assumed, yeah. <laughs> we got a couple of Star Trek, Captain Kirk in the chair, uh huh, and Captain Picard in the arch. Yeah. Uh, we also got a lighted Superman slash Clark Kent phone booth. That sounds fun. Yeah. And a four-part set from Disney's Pocahontas. Now, Pocahontas, I was watching. From the time it, when it, it was, was happening. Out. Oh yeah. 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 Loved Pocahontas. Yeah. It, and the thing about Pocahontas is it's so it's so true to history and what really happened. Yeah. <laughs> it's such yeah. a great representation <laughs> of yep. those Talk. people in their time. <laughs> it's really it's a documentary when you think about yeah. it. It's yeah, a documentary. I le- and I learned a lot. Set to music. Set to music. Yeah, yeah, of course. I learned a lot. I'm gonna put out there that no one's ever paid full price for a Hallmark ornament. Every Hallmark ornament mm. that's ever been purchased has been purchased between January 1st and, and Valentine's Day, I'm going to say. <laughs> maybe. I feel like my mom, maybe, or my grandma. Okay. Probably okay. All right. Well, then I guess price. just speaking for myself, the Hallmark <laughs> ornaments that are on our tree are like, yeah, why not? I'll take a Force Awakens Han Solo in early March. Let's do it. <laughs> I have a funny Pocahontas story. Hit me. <laughs> so I was, like I said, obsessed with the cartoon pocahontas so at one point my mom took me to this pocahontas it was like a play or something it was some pocahontas something that was not the disney movie okay and then afterwards she like wanted to talk it out and talk about like you know there there's some differences here and like the grandmother in the tree and what do we believe about blah 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 okay and i i very famously during the conversation was like Mom, I don't want to talk about this anymore. <laughs> I just sh- I just shut yeah. down the conversation. Yeah, you you know your line and you stick to it. Yeah, and that's a it's a pretty famous story in my family. Yeah, I'm just like I don't want to talk about this anymore. Yeah, I was like I got it. Like you don't you don't need to explain. I understand that yeah. trees don't actually talk. <laughs> yeah. All right, Nick, take us beyond the zip code. Before we move into zip code, while we're talking about older people playing teens and iconic things from my youth, Olivia Newton-John just passed away. 73. I know. I saw that. What a shock. What a shock that was. I Listen, first of all, I love Grease. I know it has a terrible, terrible message. (laughs) There's no redeeming quality to the message of Grease, and I am aware of that. Also, I'm aware that the songs are filthy, but as a child... Loved it. Sang it all the time. I listened to the Grease soundtrack like two days ago on vinyl. Wow. Uh, and I, of course, 
I was in a dinner theater production of Grease like 75 times, of which course, you know. Of course. But yeah, Grease was just one of those like iconic things from my childhood. Had that movie on VHS, rolled it constantly. It was one of the first CDs that I ever had. You know, so like big, big part of growing up. So I was very sad to hear that uh, Olivia Newton-John passed away. Do you, what's your, what's your background with, with Grease? Xanadu? Do you like Xanadu? I've never seen Xanadu. Okay. But I grew up watching Grease. Mm-hmm. Um, my family, we, we loved that movie. Yeah. So, yeah. and I grew up watching like old, older musicals. Sure. And that was one of the ones that was in the rotation. Yeah. So. Yeah. I was very shocked when I opened the news. Me and, too. And saw that Me too. yesterday. So R- yeah. R.I.P. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for the memories, Olivia Newton-John. All right, now I'll, now I'll take you beyond the zip code. In 2011, 90210 alums Elisa Donovan, who played Ginger, remember Ginger LaMonica? Home is where the tart is, Ginger? Vaguely. Valerie's friend. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. So Elisa Donovan and Gabrielle Carteris, birthday girl, Gabrielle Carteris, starred in the holiday film The Twelve Wishes of Christmas. A woman must set things right when a mysterious lady grants her 12 wishes and they magically come true for Christmas. I don't think I watched this one in my crazy watch of Christmas movies last year. So Oh, that was a yeah. I'll have to add this. Remember to the how list. you watched so many Christmas movies that we did a separate episode dedicated just to that? I do. Yes. <laughs> yes, but there's still more to watch. Uh, so funny. So I know, yeah. I have to uh Yeah, they pump them out there for sure. <laughs> I'll have to add this one to the list. I think you should. All right. Here's our synopsis for Angels We Have Heard on High. Kind of a lazy title, I'm going to say. Yeah. I feel like they were like, they mentioned an angel. It's Christmas. Here's the title. Yeah, this is this is a real chicken and egg situation. It was like, we're going to call this one Angel, so work in Angels. Or was it, we talked about Angels for some reason. Why don't you call the title Angels? You know what I mean? It's like, it go either way, because neither one of them really makes a case for their own existence. Yeah. Yep. Here's our synopsis. Cindy Walsh rolls into town for Christmas, interrupting Susan and Brandon's early morning rendezvous. She and Jim are on the rocks, and she might not be going back to Hong Kong at all. Meanwhile, Colin openly does cocaine during Valerie's portrait sitting, and Steve gets some startling news from Rush. Yeah, he does. Yeah. We'll get into it, but that is a lot to unpack. A lot to unpack for old Steve. Yeah. Luckily, all of that unpacking takes place in a scene we don't see. So, great. (laughs) Yep. Great. <laughs> All right, Nick, who's living in Beverly Hills? Today's episode was uh, the teleplay by Phil Savath and story by Larry Mullen, directed by Jason Priestley. A pretty straightforward episode for old Jason Priestley here. Yep. Uh, in the main cast, we have our first reappearance of, of, uh, of a, a long-gone cast member. Carol Potter makes her first on-screen appearance since leaving the cast at the end of season five. As you recall, she read, we had a vocal cameo where we heard her voiceover for an email to Valerie. Yes. Very little Cindy and Valerie in this episode. Yeah, just like one little scene. Yeah, and it wasn't really even about their relationship. Yeah. Nothing between Kelly and Cindy, and I kind of felt like that was missing too, but anyway, nice to see Carol Potter back. And honestly... The most Carol Potter's had to do since that season one episode where she almost had an affair. Yeah, definitely uh, and, been a while. And by almost, I mean definitely had an affair yeah. in, that, in that episode. Yeah. There's no almost about it. <laughs> but yeah, nice to see her. Nice nice to see that they actually like gave her some meat in this. So pretty, pretty cool. As far as returning players, we had Jed Allen back as Rush Sanders. I always love to see Rush. Yeah. He just always brings with him a certain je ne sais quoi, Kendra. He just... <laughs> He just rolls in. Yeah. Uh, this is the final, 
final appearance of Marcus Smythe as Scott Coveney. What a what a great character. What a yeah. fascinating character we had. Really added a lot to the show. Two episodes. Wow. Other cast members, we have Troy Kirby Jr. as the delivery man. He was in lots of episodes of Hill Street Blues, Snoops, and Rhythm and Blues. Julie Vera plays the housekeeper, the housekeeper of the girl who got the wrong present. Ah. Uh, she's worked extensively in television. So small role here, but if you look at her IMDb, it's just like boom, 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 boom. Most notably, she's the voice of Louisa in Disney's Elena of Avalon series. Oh, fun. Uh, and then finally, we have Brett Golub as Paul. He immediately followed his guest spot on Beverly Hills 90210 with another Beverly Hills-themed gig, appearing in the Chris Farley classic, Beverly Hills Ninja. Never seen it. <laughs> well, you're missing out, Kendra. It's a fine Am piece I? of cinema. Am well, I? well. All right, here we go. Let's get into the episode. We start at the Walsh house where Brandon and Susan awaken. Susan is kind of trying to sneak out because she's still a little embarrassed for people to see her waking up with Brandon in the morning, I guess. Yeah. She's yeah. weird about it. That's all fine, but I couldn't help but think like, is the RD of a dorm allowed to spend most of her nights elsewhere? Because I would say no. I think she's going to get fired. I, yeah, I feel like you have to be present. Yeah. To be an RD. Yeah, you do. But anyway, as they're talking upstairs, Cindy arrives at the Walsh house. She's back, baby. Yeah. And she is looking for Brandon. She's like, surprise, I'm, I'm here, Brandon. And it is a surprise. And she she doesn't walk in on them, but she she knocks and waits for Brandon to open the door. But she does see Susan wrapped up in a blanket. And Susan is very embarrassed to meet Cindy this way. To, yeah, but no reason. Like, Susan totally could have hide. And Brandon would have been like, oh, <laughs> let me just get dressed. I'll be right down. But Susan, like, walks into frame. Yes. And it's an awkward little thing. It is. Brandon asks, where's dad? Where's Jim? And Cindy says, frankly, she doesn't know. Yeah. I thought she was going to say care. Yeah. But she said, I don't know, which is less impactful. And also, she absolutely does know exactly where he is. So, yeah, you know. But she does say it in a way that you can tell, like, oh, yeah. something's up. Something's yeah. not right. After the intro, Cindy and Brandon are talking about what's going on with Jim and Cindy saying she just had to get out of there. Yeah. Jim has this new lease on life with this job and Cindy basically has no life in yeah. Hong Kong. Yeah. And she doesn't know if she's ever going to go back. It's probably hard for her to walk away from that landscaping business, you know? No. What with a landscape business and having a new baby in her late forties, you know, she really had a lot going for her in Beverly Hills, but Hong Kong, nothing, nothing, nothing to do. Nothing. Hong Kong, a notoriously dull city, I believe. Yeah, there's, yeah, nothing, nothing you can do. What are you going to, what, what are you going to do? <laughs> All right, at the club, like the mm, golf mm, club. Mm, oh, different club. The golf club. Rush has volunteered Steve to deliver some last minute gifts for Scott. Yeah. Which Steve is not happy about. Yeah. And he lets his dad know that. He's like, I had plans today. Why are you volunteering me? to do this yeah and rush is like you got to go the extra mile right yeah he's he's got to get it this is an episode where ian zeering's register is almost exclusively in the i want to do that it's very high you lied to me dad like everything he says is in that like yeah yeah <laughs> he was acting he was acting honing his skills for sharknado one through six yep and lava lantula he's also in lava lantula don't forget that i could never forget that 
at Colin's house, we are looking at the best <laughs> painting we've ever seen him do on this show. For sure. For sure. It is his portrait of Valerie. I look, <laughs> I don't know anything about art, but like you look at all the painting Colin does. He is not a realistic portrait painter, you know, and this is just like this is just like a photo with a glossy sheen over it. So like I don't buy it at all. The same man painted that horrible birthday cake for Kelly and a photorealistic version of uh, of old Tiff here. So no, I don't I don't buy it. Yeah, not not the same style, but mm -hmm. it, it's good. It's it, great. It looks good. It does. Yeah. So as they're discussing it, there's a knock on the door and a man stops by to sell Colin it. some cocaine. I love it. He door dashed some coke. It's great. Have we heard about him doing coke before? Has no, this come up? I, I don't think so. No, I think this was just out of the blue. But man, he just like he doesn't waste any time. Like he's got the coke mirror. He's just right there. He's just tossing it down, snorting up right in front of Valerie. Crazy. I know. He surely should have learned his lesson about doing things in front of Valerie yeah. at this point. Also, that he doesn't want other people no, to know. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. But he seems, I don't really get what they're doing with him character wise because he seems to have a real block on the perceptions of him or like what Valerie's doing, which none of it is subtle. But I couldn't help but think like if you're Valerie and someone that you don't know very well, gets coke delivered and does it in front of you you need to evaluate your choices because something about you is putting out the message that yeah it's cool to do cocaine in front of me you know what i mean yeah just re just reevaluate some of the decisions cool you're making it. you know oh valerie yeah you can do coke in front of her i don't know that but i'm i'm guessing based on context so he does ask her Please don't tell Kelly about this. She's yeah. sensitive Perfect. about this topic. Perfect. Yeah, which right there kind of shows that he knows that. I don't know if he knows that Jackie was an addict or whatever, but it, that implies to me that he does. All right. So the next scene is Steve and Claire are now delivering a present yeah. for Scott yep. to a lady in an apartment yeah. building. And she opens it right there at the door. And it is an easy bake oven, <laughs> which is not normally a gift you would give, you know, like a 20 something right, year old. Right. But she's very excited about yeah, it. Yeah, she is. Yeah, it's a nice throwback. She's like, tell Scotty, I'll cook for him anytime. Yeah. Steve's reaction to her is so funny, because she's very glammed up, you know, but she's in kind of like a low cut pajama kind of outfit. And as soon as she opens the door, he's just like all smiles. And it's sort of like playing with it for Claire's sake, you know, it's kind of like, Oh, hello, you know, and Claire's like, Oh, brother, I just thought it was very, like, the, the comedy there was pretty solid. Yes. At the Peach Pit, Brandon is talking about the whole Cindy Jim possible divorce thing with David and Valerie. David is not very helpful about it. He's like, yeah, I thought my parents were good. And now and then like two weeks later, they're divorced. Yep. Dividing up garden tools is what he said. <laughs> but he says, you know, if anyone can work it out, it's Jim and Cindy. Yeah. So then Valerie and David leave and Nat comes over to talk to Brandon. And he's like, it's going to be fine. You know, sometimes people just need some alone time to yeah. get some perspective. Nat kind of says that he's going to talk to Cindy and kind of see if he can figure out nice. what's going on. You know, I've got to say, in the last couple of episodes, it seems like they're finding a better groove for Nat. Because you remember early on, right after he was made a series regular, their solution seemed to be to just toss him into whatever scene, whether or not he belongs there or not. And now he's kind of settling back into that more parental vibe, taking the slot that was vacated by Jim and Cindy, and it just seems to be working better overall. So I hope they ride that out. But I've noticed that the last couple episodes in particular. Yeah, agreed. 
At Kelly Donna Claire's, Donna is trying to sneak a peek at what Joe got her for Christmas. It's a giant box in the middle of their living room. So she says she's going to cut the ribbon off, and then she's got the exact same ribbon. She'll just look. She'll tie it back up. It'll be fine. But when she opens it, a bunch of those, like, fake pop-up snakes, like, pop out of it and scare her. And there's a card inside that says, gotcha! I, you know, their reaction to that was so genuine. I kind of wondered if maybe they didn't know what was going to be yeah. in the box. <laughs> yeah. I've got to say, I I feel like Joe is such a weird overcorrection from Ray because, like, he knows everything about her. He's the nicest guy in the world. Apparently, they're in love, which is news to me. Apparently. It's, like, it's been, like, two days, and most of that was a trial where, <laughs> where Ray is, like, suing him. So this relationship, I just find irritating. And- And I find Joe's wholesomeness just to be too much. I just want Donna to be happy, so I'm going with it. Okay. For for the moment. Sure. All right. At the Walsh house, Brandon is sadly unpacking ornaments. Yeah. Cindy comes to join him and, you know, can tell he's upset. She asks him to not be angry with her. And he says, you know, I'm not angry. I'm just like, you know, it's upsetting. The whole thing. It's This is an upsetting thing. And. He's like, who am I supposed to blame? And she says, well, blame me if you're going to blame anyone, but don't blame Jim. Yeah. And she says, Jim, you know, he has this whole new life in Hong Kong and she hasn't been able to to keep up. Yeah. And what she really wants is to not not let this cast a pall over Christmas. She wants to just have a nice <laughs> Christmas with Brandon. Sure. Of course. <laughs> so yeah. That's what she's asking. We get a nice Brenda reference in there. They're going through old decorations and they found a clothespin reindeer yeah. that uh, Brenda made. So nice. Do you have a clothespin reindeer? Cause... No, I don't think so. No. But the way they're able to like layer in references to Brenda, I always think they do such a good job at because it never seems to be handed, but they, they manage to kind of keep her apart. You know, it's not like a Mark Brandanowitz and Parks and Rec situation where you just never reference that right. character ever again. <laughs> All right, later on that evening, everyone is there for Christmas Eve, Christmas party. Um, Valerie's hair is out of control. It is out of control. It's too much. It is a lot. It's like... It's a lot. I can't describe the style, but it's just like, it's too tall. No, it's like like Spice Girl casual. It's just a lot. Yeah. Donna is still trying to get Joe to give her hints about the gift, but he is not, he's, his lips are sealed. Yeah. This is a very new development that Donna is obsessed with finding out what presents are. Yeah. But apparently it's Joe all, knew. Joe knew it. That she would be this way. Never mind that they've never spent a holiday together. They've never had an exchange, an opportunity to exchange gifts. He just knew. He just sensed it because he's that pure. Susan and Brandon are decorating the tree and Susan brings up the time that they spray painted a tree. Was that season one that they spray painted the tree? Oh, yeah. I remember that. Susan brings that up? Why did they do that? Because it died? Did the I tree die and so they spray painted it Wasn't green? there a year where they weren't going to be home for Christmas and then they were going to be home for Christmas and there were no trees available? I feel like it's something like that. Possibly. I'm you know, pretty sure it was season one, but she was like told this story and so she like yeah. brings it up to him. Another thing they're great at going back and, and pulling these deep cut references. Uh, Kendra, to find out what happened in that episode, may I suggest the podcast 9021 Here We Go from the Radio Meanwhile Network. Yeah, it's a great show. Thanks. You should check it out. Thank you. 
Cindy and Val, this is when we get their little scene, and they're basically just uh, talking about Jim. So it right. does not pass the Bechtel test at, the, no. at all. No, uh-uh. No, it doesn't. The closest we That's get the to the name them, of that test, right? It is. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Closest we get to them bonding is Valerie being like, well, whatever the reason, I'm glad you're here. And Cindy's like, me too. That's as much as a you yep. know surrogate mother daughter situation that we get all right uh so later on uh the party has kind of died down a little bit donna's still trying to figure out her gift so joe tells her he's been working on it for weeks and he's so she's like oh so it's homemade and he's like no not exactly but it's interactive it's interactive yep colin is very i guess he's i I feel like he's a little more animated, but they're acting like he's like being crazy over the top. Yeah. Animated. But um, he's telling the story about being in New York and seeing a woman giving birth on a bench. And there were like three winos standing around her. So it was like the nativity scene. And it was it's like just like the nativity scene. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so they take her to the hospital and then she names the baby Howard Stern. Right. And it was like the most New York thing that had ever happened. Of course. Was anybody eating a slice of pizza at the time? Somebody okay. must have right. been. Yeah. I, I think the thing with Colin, like being over animated, it's, I think it's because he's never had a facial expression in the history of this series. And so the fact that he's like interacting at all is noteworthy. But you're right. It's not like comparing him to the other characters. It's not super noticeable. But I think comparing him to like you know, the cardboard cutout that he is in the other episodes. It's noticeable. And well, David makes a comment about this as, as Colin leaves the room and Valerie is like, yeah, he's yep. sure is <laughs> sure is animated tonight. Claire and Steve are kissing under the mistletoe and Ooh. Claire says she has a special present for him later. Ooh-hoo. Dot, dot, dot. Nat and Cindy are talking in the kitchen and Nat says he's got to go to midnight mass and Cindy wants to join. Uh So she is going to meet him out front. They're going to go to midnight mass together. Cute. As she's leaving, Rush arrives and, you know, is like, Hey, nice to see you. Where's Jim? And she is like, Oh, he's not here. And Rush can tell that, you know, it's not okay. And he's like, is everything all right? And she says, no. And, he says, is there anything I can do? And she says, marry me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I feel like, have we gotten a real scene between the two of these these two before? Cindy and Rush, I don't know. I mean, Cindy and Samantha Sanders, definitely. I wasn't nitpicking it too much because I kind of like that we had a moment of like the older generation there. And I felt like the, the dynamic between the two of them worked. I buy the cross paths enough to have a little thing going on. And Rush is nice to her. And he's like, well, it happened to me multiple times, but I hope it's not going to happen to you. It's just, it's a cute little moment. Yeah, it is. Rush that is there to see Steve. So they go out back to talk and Rush is very angry at Steve because uh, as we all could tell, oh, I skipped a scene. Oh, right. Well, it's not much of a scene, but yeah, basically the little girl gets the present and we yeah. find out later that it was the one meant for the girlfriend. She doesn't open it though, but yeah, we open it. we find out now that he delivered the, he switched the presents. He delivered yeah. the wrong present. And it was like lingerie to the little girl, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Easy make up into the, you know, the vixen. Yeah. To his mistress, apparently. His mistress. That's yeah. right. Yeah. 
And Steve's like, I delivered to the addresses that were on the packages. So I didn't screw yeah. up. Somebody else did. I just did what I was told to do. Yeah. But for Rush, you know, he's like, oh, it's always somebody else's fault. Just like with the fire that was started. It's not your fault. It's somebody else's yeah. fault. Yeah. Steve doesn't want to take this from Rush. So he's like, you know, I got nothing to explain to you. I don't have right. to prove myself to you. As he's yeah. leaving, Rush says, sometimes I'm ashamed to call you my son. And Steve's like, well, then don't. You're not you're not my father anyway. Too much. So, so yeah. who cares? <laughs> I found this scene to be very clunky because I think, I mean, I kind of remembered where it was going. And so when it started, when you watch the scene with that, it's just like, how do we maneuver them in a position where Steve can justifiably scream, you're not my father. Yeah. And like, I feel like that was the point of this whole scene just to get us there. And it wasn't really a good trajectory. And they've also kind of buried this hatchet last time we had a blow up between the two of them. So, yeah, I know it just seems like back treading. Yeah. What's the word? <laughs> um, it seems like this is ground we've covered before. Right. Rush saying, I'm ashamed to call you my son just seems too much. It's too much. It does seem too much because all, yeah. Cause all Steve did, even if he, perp- even if he did mess up and deliver the wrong packages, come on. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's not a huge deal. Yeah. So yeah, it was, it's a big jump. Well, I guess, I do like that it is kind of a huge deal because it was supposed to go to his yeah. mistress. So I feel like that's causing a lot of trouble for Scott. Right. So Steve has been fired from this internship now. Which makes you question why they did it at all. Yeah. It was just like one episode. Yeah. Steve had a job and we're like, you're going to go far in business, kid. And then no. Back inside, uh, Colin is doing another bump oh of cocaine. Gosh. I'm telling you what, it, this is this is just so out of nowhere. It's like his transition from Pretty Woman to Scarface was just like immediate. Yep. And I just, I don't really get it. Yep. Claire and Steve are talking about, you know, what just happened with Rush. And Steve is now feeling bad for what he said. He, he's yeah. saying like, you know... He's done so much for me, and I told him he's not my dad. Right. So Claire says, well, you should apologize tomorrow, or you're just going to have a really crappy Christmas. Yeah. Colin and Kelly are heading out, and uh, he's uh, doing a lot of sniffling. So Kelly's like, oh, he has a cold. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, oh, it's just allergies. Brandon and Susan say goodbye. She asks him to come stay with her, but he says he's going to stay home so that Cindy's not by herself. Yeah. The next morning, oh, well, I guess it's kind of the middle of the night. Uh, Joe calls Donna at 3.27 a.m., which is the moment that she was born. Because if you'll recall, oh. Christmas is Donna's birthday as well as Christmas. Yeah, I do recall that. I feel like this is just such a, like when you think about like behind the scenes, you know, Aaron Spelling being like, this Ray character is making Donna look like an idiot. Bring in a new guy. And it just feels like such a wild pivot. I just, it's jarring to go from Ray to just like this complete perfect angel man of Joe. And I'm just not buying it. Well, I like him. So. (laughs) Fine. Despite his racism from the last episode. (laughs) Yeah. Everything else about him is How soon we forget, Kendra. Wow. He's a 10, but he's racist. Yeah. <laughs> he gives her a, a, two more hints. It is grayish in color, and it's this is what he says. It's interactive. Okay. So he hangs up the phone, and he walks over to the present, which we find is a bird. It's a parrot, a gray and orange parrot. Yeah. 
And this made me question something. He's teaching it to say Joe loves Donna. I mean, I guess I should go back and listen to the podcast 902 and here we go. But what happened to Rocky 2? Because Rocky 1 bit it. Rocky 2. The dog. Oh, yeah, the dog. The dog Andrea was experimenting on and then Brenda rescued. Like, that one died, but then they got Rocky 2. And I just don't remember what happened to that dog. Did it just like Chuck Cunningham its way out of the series? I don't. I think we just stopped mentioning it. And I totally forgot it existed till this moment. So I'm going to call this bird Rocky three. All right. Well, that's not its name as we'll find out. But okay. All right. Walsh house Christmas morning. Brandon comes downstairs and looks in his stocking. He got some walnuts. He got an orange and a brand new watch from Cindy. Walnuts and an orange. Is this like London 1925? It must be a tradition of some kind that I'm not aware of. That's a terrible one. (laughs) Cindy is glad she went to church. She said, you know, it gave her some peace and she feels like she can make it on her own. So it seems she's pretty like decided that this is over. She's good. Brandon says, you know, after 22 years together, you guys owe it to yourselves to try to work it out. You can't just give up. Yeah. And she says, you know, we don't know who we are to each other anymore. And I love him, but I don't even know if he loves me anymore. Right. And right at that moment, there's a knock on the door. What are the odds? Special delivery for Cindy. From a cruise ship, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Is it Jim like out of, okay, whatever. And it is a present from Jim. It's a note that says that Cindy is his angel Angel. and hurry home or something. Yeah. And it's an angel, um, is it a pin, a pendant? What is it? I have no idea what it was, but it looked like it either came out of a gumball machine or on a cardboard package and icing from Claire's. It was terrible. I thought it was going to be Jim at the door, which I think would have been I thought it was going to be Jim at the door. Yeah, I I guess in my heart I knew it wasn't, but it should have been. It really should have been in that moment. Well, this is enough for Cindy. She goes to make a reservation for a flight home. And if there's anything I know about Jim Walsh, he's very reasonable. And giving when it comes to relationships. He's good at seeing the other person's point of view and not just blowing a gasket and saying my way or the highway. So it'll work out fine. One, okay, one other thing. I feel like, I know it's like a lot to pack into one episode, but I feel like they should have had a conversation about Dylan. You know, because we never got to see the Walsh parents deal with the whole Mm. Dylan's wife dying and Dylan disappearing. That would have been a nice little scene for the two of them there. And I feel like something that absolutely would have happened with Cindy, but. Yeah, agree. There, I get, there was just too much to. Yeah. (laughs) To catch up on, I guess. All right. At the Peach Pit, Steve arrives to talk with Rush. And Rush is looking pretty sad. Yeah. And Steve apologizes. He says, you know, I was out of line yesterday. I'm really sorry for what I said. Rush says that he himself has been out of line for a long time. And that he was, Steve was right about a lot of things that he said, but he was wrong about one very important thing. He hands Steve an envelope that contains his adoption record. And we see that his adoptive dad is Rush Sanders. Yeah. His natural birth Biological father. Also Rush Rush Sanders. Rush Sanders, yeah. So Rush is his real dad. And Steve's like, that's not true. That's impossible. Well, he's like, "I this can't be right. Like, I went to... Arizona or wherever I found yeah. my mom's grave. I New Mexico. Yeah. And Rush I met my grandpa and never talked to him again. Yeah. Rush says that he was working on a movie in New Mexico, had an affair. She had Steve. Meanwhile, him and Samantha. Samantha are wanting to adopt a baby 
And so it kind of was just a good situation. Yeah, perfect. And he's like, I basically bought my own baby. Yeah. He's like, you could do that back then. You just had to throw a lot of money around. Rush is either in like a three-piece suit or a track suit, zipped low, no shirt underneath. It's one or the other. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to tell. I think it's a track suit. I believe situation. so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, Steve is freaking out. Steve is freaking out. He's like, I, I spent my life, you know, thinking I was abandoned and trying to figure out who my parents were. And all along, you were right here. So it's just like, it's such a complex situation, you know, because on the one hand, Steve's had this quest to meet his biological parents. And here is one sitting right in front of him. So like, that's mind blowing. But also he had to go through the trauma of thinking like no one wanted him. Which is not what adoption means, but that's how Steve feels about it. Right, yeah. Steve's reaction, I think, is very genuine and realistic, but they don't really get into it. It is, and I do think, you know, his voice is very high, but I think his acting and his crying and everything in this scene is is good. Yeah. I, I think it's good. Yeah. Well, Rush never told him because Samantha doesn't know. Like, still she still know. doesn't know that this is the situation, yeah. which is crazy. Like, it she's crazy. never seen the adoption papers, but okay. Yeah. And he says, you know, if if she knew it would break her heart. And Steve's like, what about my heart? Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, Rush says, I love you. I always have. And I'm proud to have you as my son. Yeah. And he, he leaves Steve very upset and crying. Oh, yeah. At the oh, yeah. It's going to take a long time for these two to heal this wound. Don't you think? A Kendra? really long time. Season. Yeah. We're going to be talking about season. this for oh my gosh. several seasons. Long time. Well, the next scene is at the marina, I guess. And the Rose Court has brought in some snow for the kids because, as you know, their theme is kids and, kids dreams, and dreams or whatever. Kids so and dreams. And they brought in some snow and kids are sledding down this hill. It's their dream the to do so. Yep. And the whole gang is there. Yeah, because the Rose Court is apparently everything. Yeah. The Rose Court is and does everything. Yep. And even though Donna didn't win and the Rose Court is over, she's somehow still involved and it's still going on. Yeah. I guess it's like a Miss America thing where you like do it for the whole year. And Lisa, Lisa, who was the Rose Queen, yeah. is not a part of this. I just want to make sure that no, you're right. I'm getting all you're, the dynamics of the Rose Court correct. correct. Okay. Steve is in a great mood and it was kind of, it was hard to tell because we had just ended on him crying in the peach pit. If this was like a fake happiness he was putting on or like what was happening. Yeah. Was he being a little manic or whatever, but no, he's just having the time of his life. Yeah. But he hasn't told any, he hasn't told anyone. So Kelly says she's cold. So Colin goes to get her some hot chocolate. Donna is still badgering Joe for her present. She loves uh, gifts. He has not given it to her yet. Before Colin gets some hot chocolate, he does a does some more cocaine. Yeah. Around the corner where no one can see. Uh-huh. At a children's event on Christmas, he does Correct. cocaine. Yep. Oh, openly, like in the outdoors. Yeah. He's not even like in a bathroom, you know? Nope. nope. When he comes back with hot chocolate, Steve throws some snow at him and a snowball fight begins. Yeah. Which Kelly and Valerie are just watching, but Valerie, being the Lord of Chaos, the Lady of Chaos that <laughs> she right. is, right. says, notice anything strange about your boyfriend lately? He's got a real sniffly nose. Yeah. <laughs> and Kelly immediately is, immediately is like, oh, did you give it to him? <laughs> Which I thought was pretty good. I had to give her that one. Yeah. <laughs> Funny. All right. 
Next scene, the gang arrives at the Peach Pit and Steve sits them down to, to share his news that he's so freaking happy about. Oh my <laughs> which, gosh, he's which so is, happy. Which is that Rush is his biological dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And this is where I was like, oh, okay, he's genuinely yeah. happy yeah. <laughs> about we- this news. I feel like there's there's a time when that would be true. I just don't think it's 20 minutes later, you know? No, no. Colin sneaks off to the bathroom again, but Kelly follows him this time. While he's in the bathroom, they bring out a cupcake for Donna for her birthday. Aww. Kelly waits outside the bathroom for Colin and basically catches him, you know, in the act. Yeah. And uh, she is not happy. No, she's like, wipe your nose, you slob. Next is a quick little scene where Joe gets back to his dorm and is trying to get the bird to say Joe loves Donna, but the bird won't say it. Which was news to me. Have they said I love you? It was news to me. He says it earlier in the episode. He says, I love you to her very casually. Okay. And I was like, oh, this is like the first time I've heard him say this. But it would have been better if he had never said it earlier in the episode. And it was yeah. like he was trying to get the bird to say it for the first time. The bird to say it. Yeah. But all right. Last scene is at the Walsh house where the whole gang is gathered, including Rush and Cindy. Rush makes a toast to fathers and sons. And Steve and yeah, Rush really have a elegant. nice, I love you, hugging, all is forgiven moment. He also, Steve also has a moment with Claire where he like emotionally is like a lot has changed since you've been around Claire. Yeah. So I don't really think Claire's done anything, but. No, but you know, maybe he just feels more stable. Stable to have something that's consistent in his storyline, maybe. Cindy does a little toast as well, where she's like, two mothers and sons. I was watching this with my wife and she was like, what about Brenda? Yeah. Uh, What about Valerie? It's like, Valerie's right there. This is what I mean. Like, she doesn't, she's not like, oh, and Brenda and and Valerie, get in here. It's just kind of like me and Brandon. It's the two of us versus the world. Joe arrives with his present for Donna. Yeah. And she closes her eyes and opens it. She loves the bird. She names it. Well, she says it's a cutie pie. And so Steve says, well, that's what you should call it. Awful. So that's its name. Not whatever you said earlier. Yeah. What did I say earlier? You said three, whatever the third, like the dog's name. Oh, Rocky. What's the dog's name? <laughs> Rocky Three. That's Rocky, Rocky Three is the one with Mr. T. Have you seen Rocky Three? Rocky. <laughs> Rocky's super no. rich in Rocky Three. He has a pet robot that follows him around. It's a weird movie. Oh, that's fun. Better than Rocky Five, I'll tell you that. Joe tries to get the bird to say Joe loves Donna, but uh, he does not have success. No, no. With that. No, no. The bird just says, damn bird, damn bird. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Which everyone thinks is so hilarious. So endearing. Cindy is heading out because she needs to get to the airport. You know, so she's telling, you know, she says, I got to go pack because she has to head out. Kelly and Colin have a little scene in the... They do. But I thought that this was like, Cindy's like, oh, I got to go. And she goes and Kelly immediately follows her. And as Cindy's going up the stairs, Kelly comes in. And I thought she was going to be like, Cindy, I just wanted to. But no, Cindy just goes upstairs and she keeps going to talk to Colin. Yeah. So she and Colin go in the dining room, a different room to kind of have it out. And Colin apologizes for breaking his promise that he made to her back in New York that he would not do cocaine again. He's known fact about him, at least then. Yeah. And he says, you know, it's just for the holiday. He brings out his little vial and he's like, look, it's all gone. It's empty. It's not going to happen again. It's a little Christmas Coke. 
We've all, yeah. Kendra, we've all done it. Come on. Who hasn't? Yeah, it's the holidays. Hasn't? It's the holidays. Maybe a little snow around Christmas. Am I right, Kendra? <laughs> so Kelly's like, all right, fine. Never happen again. And I'm sure it won't. That's it. Oh, I, yeah. Yep. Casual drug use is something very reliable. You know that's never going to happen again. Cindy comes downstairs and everyone is like lining her walkway yeah. like in Titanic or yeah. something. Um, yeah. <laughs> and she, you know, says goodbye to everyone. And She's like, I love you all. Yeah, she loves them all. Outside the house, she asked Brandon to, you know, let's just stand for a minute. I want to remember all the good times that we had in this house. Yeah. And she says that she's learned through this whole trip that for her, home is where Jim is. Right. And that's the end of the episode. It felt very abrupt to me, that ending. It did feel, yeah. I wonder why they went with the whole Jim and Cindy are getting a divorce thing. Like, did they make a run at James Eck house and it didn't work out? So they're just sort of like, we need to explain why Cindy's gone. I don't know. It just seemed like a very weird storyline for them to do. But mm-hmm. I mean, I thought Carol Potter was good in it. And I liked having the sort of the parents back yeah. in here. So I don't know. I liked it. I just thought it was odd. Yeah. Yeah. I felt as an episode, like it's a little all over the place. But I feel like all the Christmas episodes are all over the place. But I feel like Steve learning that Rush is his real father, that that's like a big deal. But like, you know, the jo- Joe and Donna, that's. shenanigans and having Cindy come back to like, be like, I'm divorcing your father. Let I'm going to talk about this with you. My, my child. I don't know. It was, it just, there was a lot of stuff in this episode where I was like, I don't like the writing here. Yeah. (laughs) I agree with you. I would maybe say it's the best Christmas episode we've ever had. (laughs) Maybe. I mean, there was no supernatural element. So there was nothing supernatural happened at all. I don't know why we wasted any time with Steve delivering presents or them fighting. I wish Rush would have just been like, you know, it's the holidays and I've been thinking about you going and meeting your grandfather a few years back. And there's something that's been weighing on me. And I got to tell you, just like do that. And then spend the time you spent on Steve and Claire delivering presents with Steve processing the information from Rush reaching to it at the end. Like that plot is episode length worthy. Yeah. The bomb dropped and we cut everything until Steve is at full, not just acceptance, but like jubilation at the news. So I feel like that would have made a much better and a better holiday episode too. Yeah. You know? Yep. I don't know. But uh, I, I still liked it. Yeah. I mean, it was fine. It was fine. 90210 snap. I, it's got to be the whole rush Steve and crushed, Steve. I know. There's no way around it. There's no way around it. Well, Kendra, uh, on our next episode, we're going to be in 1996. We will have made it. New year, baby. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So we're going to be in season six, episode 16, Turn Back the Clock. And it's a New Year's filled shenanigan episode. So I'm sure it's going to be a good time. <laughs> awesome. In the meantime, you can catch me every other week on This Andorian Life, a Star Wars podcast from the Radio Meanwhile Network. My co-host Steve and I recently covered the new Star Wars Lego Summer Vacation special that's on Disney Plus that has a good amount of Ewok content in it. So you can go and listen over there. What about you, Kendra? Excellent. What are you up to these days? <laughs> well, watching a lot of True Blood. Right. I am almost done with yeah. all seven seasons yeah. of True Blood. So. That's mostly what I'm up to, but I am also Miss Musicbox91 on Twitter, and I am the co-host of the podcast, 90s Music Got Me Like, where each week, well, each episode, we talk about a, a new, a different 90s song. <laughs> so I'm not sure what 
song we will have most recently talked about when this okay. episode comes out. So just go find it. Just, just go check it, check it out. out. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Well, Kendra, uh, thank you for joining me on this Christmas episode. Ho, ho, ho. 9021, ho, ho, ho. 